Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Who made this statement? I'm going to say it, and then afterwards we're all going to share at the same time. But first, let me read the statement. Who made the statement? Here's your options. President Trump, President Biden, one of the current people running for office, or somebody else. Here's the statement. The streets of our country are in turmoil. The universities are filled with students rebelling and rioting. The country is in danger. Yes, danger from within and without. We need law and order. Without law and order, our nation cannot survive. And so in a moment, I'm going to have everybody shout out their answer at the same time. You can say Trump, Biden, uh, current, or somebody else. On the count of three, one, two, three. I agree. (laughs) I'm not sure what I heard there. Okay, but for those who participated, thank you. All right, here's the answer. Somebody else. If you said that, you got it right. These words were spoken in 1932 before he rose to power by Adolf Hitler. Pretty interesting. You see, dictators, they rarely take over by force. They almost always come during a, uh, with a seemingly peaceful message, and they almost always come at a time of turmoil and hardship, and they seem to have an answer that people are looking for. You see, in Nazi Germany, uh, this person shows up on the scene who seemed to be a peaceful person. He shows up during the time of chaos in Germany. He thought clearly. He had good answers. He had solutions to the country's problems. Even the churches in Germany said Hitler was a God-sent savior for their country. As you and I know, he clearly was anything but God-sent. And in the last days, the Antichrist and his sidekick, Will, be a bless, will, will not be a God-sent blessing, even though they will come in peace. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, your physical Bible, or on your phone to the YouVersion Bible app to Revelation chapter 13. We are going to discover today that the Antichrist isn't alone in his worldwide takeover. The Antichrist is a political ruler, but he's going to have the help of a religious ruler or a religious leader. And twice in this chapter, it's going to tell us that you and I need to understand, that we have to have understanding about the system or the systems and about the people who are involved. Last week, we took a close look at the Antichrist and some of his characteristics. Today, we're going to look closely at the one who is called the false prophet. And I want to look at some of the identifying marks of this false prophet so we can have understanding of what's coming. And in fact, in reality, what we've already experienced to some extent even today. So let's pick this up. First, we're going to notice that the false prophet has authority. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, it says this, and this is John the apostle speaking. And he says, then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast. 
Now, if you're just with us for the first time, that's just a lot of information. If you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, all that language isn't unfamiliar. The Apostle John, he basically has this, this pretty bizarre vision that God gives him about the last days. And in verse 1, last week, we saw this beast that came up out of the sea, which we know is the Antichrist. And now in verse 13, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 11, John now sees another beast. Another is the Greek word allos. It means like the first, i.e. back to uh, verse 1. So you have these two, ver- these two beasts. They're, they're like one another. They cut, they're cut from the same cloth. They have the same MO. They have the same goals. They have the same objectives, which we know is to deceive the world. It tells us in this verse that this beast comes out of the earth, or quite literally, uh, literal translation, out of the land. The land is often a term used for the land of Israel. Therefore, some scholars suggest that this beast, this person, this false prophet, will be Jewish. Now, we can't be dogmatic about that. That's just a guess, but it is possible. But as a reminder, from last week we saw we do know that the Antichrist will be a Gentile. Now, I want you to notice there in the verse that that he has two horns, like those of a lamb. In other words, he still has authority, and we're told that. He has the same desire to deceive, we're told that, like the first beast. But the first beast, the Antichrist, he was ferocious and ominous, and he had seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns, which spoke of his political authority. This one, though, looks like a lamb. He's subtle in his approach. He's gentle. He appears like a lamb, it tells us. He speaks like a dragon. We'll talk about that in a minute. You might say in this sense that he's a kinder, gentler beast, if such a thing exists, right? And unlike the first beast, he has no crowns or a crown on his head, so he doesn't have any type of political authority, but he does have spiritual authority. He's a spiritual leader. In fact, three times in Revelation, chapter 16, 19, and 20, he is referred to as the false prophet. So, in chapter 12, we saw, John had this vision, he saw a dragon. We know that that dragon is Satan. In chapter 13, verse 1, we see this beast coming out of the sea, which we know is the Antichrist. And here in verse 11, we have another beast who we know is the false prophet, who who comes out possibly out of the land of Israel. He's a religious leader. All of this points to a counterfeit trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Satan, Antichrist, false prophet. And just as Jesus pointed toward the Father... The Antichrist points towards the dragon or Satan. And just as the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, the false prophet always points towards the Antichrist. And next, the false prophet, he's going to use his authority to promote a false religion. Let's look at verse 12 again. It says, he exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the people or all the earth and its people to worship. Everybody say worship. That's key to our message today, to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. So this false prophet brings together a universal worship system. For what purpose? Verse 14, it tells us. It says, he deceived all the people who belonged to the world. Everybody say the word deceived. So we have the word worship, and we have the word deception or deceived. 
What's one of the goals of Satan? One of his primary goals is deception, right? To deceive us. Jesus said in John chapter 8, he is the father of lies, that he's a li- he is the liar and the father of lies. We know that he's been lying since the beginning. The devil lies all the time. He's lying to you all the time. And whether he's lying to you about who you are and who your identity is and what your identity is or whether he's trying to convince you that Jesus isn't the answer to life and eternity, whether he's trying to convince you that you don't need Jesus, that you don't need to trust Jesus, whatever he's saying to you, you can know he's lying to you. And what was Jesus' warning to us? In Matthew chapter 24, he said in verse 4, 5, that many are going to come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. And they will what? What's the word? They will? They will deceive many. But not only false messiahs, verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and will what? What's the word? They will deceive many people. Jesus made it clear. False messiahs, false prophets are constantly showing up. And you and I must be diligent. And you and I must be alert so that we're not deceived. And Scripture is crystal clear to you and I what our greatest offensive and defensive weapon is against deception. Does anybody know what it is? Anybody know? I want to shout it out and take a chance. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6 refers to the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit. In ancient times, a sword was both an offensive and a defensive weapon. The Word of God. See, the reason that so many Christians struggle in their life, the reason so many Christians are easily swayed and deceived, the reason so many Christians are not experiencing the victorious life that Jesus has for them, even when they're going through hardship and difficulty and tribulation, the reason we're so easily deceived is because we don't diligently study the Word of God. But my hope and my prayer is that LifePoint is a group of people who we are devoted and we are committed to getting into God's Word on a daily basis. See, that's the reason you, listen, you and I, and I would encourage you, I would implore you, read God's Word every day. Every day. That that would be part of what your life is. You start your day off that way, finish your day, in the middle of your day, whenever that you are in God's Word. Not only does it give you life. Not only does it nourish and refresh your soul, but it's also the key to understanding truth so that you are not deceived. Man, make it non-negotiable to read God's Word every day. There are so many tools today. It's, we don't have an excuse. It's easy for us to read God's Word and to listen to God's Word, to soak it into our lives. The false prophet, the beast, looks like a lamb. Those who are discerning, those who know the word of God, they're going to recognize that even though he appears like a lamb, he actually speaks like a dragon, the scripture says. Everybody's going to be deceived, but the discerning will know that this false prophet shows his true colors when he talks by what he says. And the false prophet will speak the very words of hell for those who are discerning enough to actually catch it and recognize it. Listen to how Jesus described false prophets. He said this in Matthew 17. He said, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they're really vicious wolves. Interesting. Disguised as a a sheep, as a lamb, something that looks harmless, 
Something that has the appearance like, oh, this is good. But listen to what they say. And you realize that they're a dragon. They're not harmless sheep. They're vicious wolves, regardless of what their appearance looks like. I suspect this liar, this deceiver, this false prophet will sway people from all religions. He's going to bring people together, and he's going to have a message of, of, of encouraging people to break down the walls and the barriers that separate people and religion. And it's going to appear a good thing, and on its surface, it will appear good. And people will hear that and go, that makes sense. And people will embrace his message. But ultimately, where he's taking people is a place of universal worship a universal worship system, a false religion, not pointing to Jesus Christ, but pointing to the Antichrist. We see the, the makings of that even today. Think about it. There's such a strong appeal in our world today to put all religions on the same playing field, isn't there? I mean, that appeal is out there. Oh, you know what? All religions, they're all the same. Sure, we all worship our version of God, but you know, at the end of the day, it's all the same God. How about we just get along and unify and be tolerant of one another and, and one another's beliefs? And, and yes, we need to love everybody. Jesus said, love as I have loved you. So we are called to love and live our lives sacrificially for others. Absolutely. But you can see why the message of the cross is so offensive to universalism. You can see why people uh, 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 oppose Jesus' words because Jesus said they're not the same. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father but through me is what Jesus said. And that message is going to be offensive to the world. And we see that today. And so Jesus told you and I, watch out that no one deceives you and takes you a different direction or a different path. So during this tribulation period, there are going to be so many catastrophes. People are going to be wide open for anything or anyone to help them, to save them. And so you have this religious leader who comes along and he links up with a political leader that we know as the Antichrist. And he's going to sway the world and he's going to mold people's thoughts and mold people's directions and their minds towards the Antichrist and his message. The false prophet is going to help the Antichrist reach beyond his political power and help him reach into the religious world so that the Antichrist has political power and religious power as the false prophet promotes a false religion, ultimately pointing people to, be, to require them to worship the Antichrist. And so as part of that deception, this false prophet is going to perform miracles. Let's look at verse 13. Revelation 13, it says, He did astounding miracles even making fire flash down to the earth from the sky while everybody was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived, say the word deceived. There it is again. He deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. Think about what has been happening on earth. As God has, during the seven-year tribulation period, God has unleashed his judgments upon the world. 
catastrophe after catastrophe, disaster after disaster. The earth has been scorched. A third of the people have been killed. A third of the seas have been destroyed. Uh, Fresh water has been getting wiped out. And people are in torment during one portion of it for five months as these hordes of locust-like demon beings are wreaking havoc upon people. And people cry out in desperation, needing help, needing anything to give them answers, solutions, to have hope to have, you know, a future even. And as people are crying out, this Antichrist will come along. He will appear to have answers and solutions. He's going to eliminate the the two annoying witnesses in Jerusalem who keep saying that Jesus is the only way. And people will embrace that when, when, when they're eliminated. He's going to bring peace to the Middle East. He's then going to appear to be fatally wounded, and and people in the world are shocked by it, but through deception, through some type of healing or fake resurrection, he comes back. He links up with the spiritual leader who also has authority as the spiritual leader even wows people performing miracles. And as a result, the people of the world will allow themselves to believe and thus be deceived. Those who know God's word, though, they will recognize what's happening. They will realize the the words of deception. They will know what Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, where Jesus said, false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Those who are discerning will know that Paul described the same thing, talking about the Antichrist and the false prophet, when Paul said, when the wicked one appears, Satan will pretend to work all kinds of miracles, wonders, and signs. So I want you to imagine how people are going to react when they see these, these wonders, these signs, these miracles that come from the pro- false prophet as he even calls fire down from the sky, you better believe people are going to grab a hold to his message and what he's about. And Scripture tells us people will believe. And by the way, the Antichrist, Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and, and the false prophet bringing down fire from heaven, everything they do is simply to try to imitate what God does. This idea of calling fire down from heaven, when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, how did he do it? He brought fire down from heaven. When Elijah was surrounded by ambassadors who were sent to take him and arrest him, he brought fire down from heaven. The two witnesses I just mentioned in Revelation chapter 11 used fire to destroy those who came against their message. Listen, God is a God of miracles, and God still does miracles today. Do you believe that? God still works miracles today. But we also see that God will allow Satan, through the Antichrist and through the false prophet, to also do miracles. And the undiscerning, those who are not firmly rooted in Christ, those who are not firmly grounded in Scripture, they will be deceived by these false signs and wonders, and they will be led astray. So we've seen, number one, the false prophet has authority. Number two, he promotes a false religion. And number three, he he performs signs and wonders and miracles. 
And then as part of those signs and wonders and miracles, he's going to animate a statue. Let's look at Revelation 13, verse 15. It says, he was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast, meaning the Antichrist, statue of the Antichrist, commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. So with modern technology now or in the future, whatever it is at the time, whatever happens here, the false prophet is going to animate a lifeless statue. But people are going to be caught up in it. And they're going to be deceived. And they're going to choose to worship it. And those who don't uh, choose to worship, those who refuse, they'll be executed. Later on in Revelation, it tells us the execution will happen by beheading. Now, would you agree with me that people have been worshiping statues or what statues represent since the beginning of time? Would you agree with that? People have been doing that since the beginning. It's why God, when he gave the Ten Commandments, the first two of the Ten Commandments dealt with this topic. Commandment number one, you're to have no other God. I'm God, he said. And number two, no images, no statues. You're not to have any image of any sort. Even when you worship me, God said, no image, no idol, no statue whatsoever. And you might know the story historically of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon who at one point put up a gold statue for the people to worship him. Through that gold statue, he commanded everybody to worship him or they would die. Three Jewish boys, teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we refuse. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had him, them, um, you know, put in jail. He was going to kill them, but God miraculously saved them. Worshiping statues, images, and what they represent has just been a part of humanity's efforts from the beginning to try to connect with some higher power something outside of themselves. So let me suggest a scenario of how this maybe plays out. It's possible that up to this point in the tribulation period, that seven-year period, that the two, de- the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 who've been preaching Jesus, they've been doing signs and they've been doing wonders, they've been telling people to turn to Jesus, to repent, to get right with G- God through their, his son Jesus Christ, even giving that message to the Jewish people, calling God's people back to himself through Jesus Revelation uh, 11, people are so sick of this, these two witnesses that the, the Antichrist, the beast, the first beast, has them killed. They're lying in the streets. People are partying because they're gone. Then God, after three days, uh, allows them to, to rise up from the dead, and they ascend to heaven. In response to their rising from the dead and ascending to heaven, In order to grab the attention of the world, the Antichrist marches into the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And he says, I'm God. No more of this nonsense. I'm God. He then sets up an image of himself. Something that will be by the false prophet animated to be lifelike. And he will require everybody to worship the image, thus worshiping the Antichrist, thus worshiping Satan. We call this the abomination that causes desolation. Jesus and Daniel both referred to it as that. With all the miracles performed by the false prophet, when the Antichrist steps into the temple to declare himself God and require people to worship him, because of all that the false prophet does, 
with the miracles. It's not going to be a hard sell for people. And people are going to step in line, and they're going to worship the Antichrist again, which is really worshiping Satan. But finally, this false prophet, this beast, this false prophet, this person, will mark all the worshipers. Revelation 13, verse 16, it says this, He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. This religious leader, this false prophet, will require some type of mark to identify the loyal worshipers of the dragon, of the, or excuse me, of the, of the beast, the Antichrist. He'll put a mark on our right hand or on our forehead. Now here's my question for you. I want you to really think about this, like practically speaking. How would someone make sure that everybody gets the mark? Let me just think through this for a moment practically. If you want an entire planet to worship the Antichrist, not just in their hearts because you could fake that, but to assure that there's compliance, what would you do to get the world to comply? Well, wouldn't you attach it to people's finances? I mean, think about it for a second, right? Get the mark or you will not be able to function in society. Look at verse 17. No one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. You can't be involved in commerce unless you have this mark on your body in some way, shape, or form. Now, I think we all know that this technology, it, it exists even today. It'd be very easy to implement a system that would require us to have a mark, an implant, a chip, a, a scan, something that could require us to buy in order, us, in order for us to have it in order that we could buy, sell, or trade. I think we all would agree, yeah, that, that could happen tomorrow probably. Some of you might say, man, I, I'm tracking with you on a lot of this stuff, but this is where I depart, Chris, because the way I see it, there is no way you can convince the entire world, socialist countries, communist countries, countries with dictators, Muslim countries, Christian countries, if such a thing exists, democracies. There's no way you could get every government to go along and every global corporation and every corporation to go along. There's no way this could happen. Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, what's happened the last few years? COVID's been awful. It's real. It's killed millions upon millions of people. It's probably going to be with us in some way, shape, or form, just kind of part of society moving forward. Jesus talked about in the last days there's going to be pestilence and disease, and it's going to just kind of increase in our world, and we don't know what it looks like. And it's awful and tragic. Let's just 60,000-foot level. If we don't learn anything else from COVID, as it pertains to what we're talking about today. We don't learn anything else. Again, 60,000-foot level. I'm not talking about sides and opinions on one side or the other. And I'm not going down that road. I don't, I don't want to get into that. But what you and I witness with our very own eyes is worldwide control. Would you agree? We have lived this, including people who even today are still being fired for not taking an experimental shot. I want you to think about it. They can't buy, sell, or trade, even today. 
having experienced how civilization has handled COVID. I don't know about you, but I now see very easily how an antichrist and a false prophet can implement a system that would require us to have some type of mark, some type of shot, whatever the case may be. And I'll bet now you can see it too. I wouldn't have grabbed it three, four, five years ago. I'd be like, how is that actually going to happen? Now I see what could possibly happen. The Antichrist and the false prophet will compel people to be part of a system, not just to worship, but to literally live, to survive. You be part of this, or you cannot eat, drink, or buy anything. We're tying you to a religious and to an economic system. And so, Revelation chapter 13, verse 18 tells us wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man. His number is 666. 666, there's been no you know, bigger topic of a discussion for 2,000 years with all the jokes and everything that goes along with it. I was thinking about this. Can you imagine if you were born on 66 of 1966? What that must be like for someone who was born on that day? The number of a person's name was nothing new to people in ancient times. Greek, Hebrew, they all had, they all had numbers attached to, to, the, to the alphabets. And so people have been trying to predict for 2,000 years, who's the Antichrist? And who is he? We want to be ready because we don't want to be deceived. And so, the, the, you know, and through his, for the last 2,000 years, you can pretty much, depending on the way you're using a number system and trying to sound pretty fanciful and like you know what you're talking about, you can almost make anybody out to have the number 666. And we've seen it for 2,000 years as people try to guess who it is. And when that time comes, whatever's happening at the time, people will be able to figure it out. But I do think there's another way to look at it, to maybe simplify it. It could be that 666 literally just means the ultimate man. What am I talking about? Well, scripturally speaking, the number six is considered the number of man. And so the idea of, of 666, it's, it's the ultimate man, that it's, it's the system of man. And the reality is 666 is, is basically a way of telling you and I that man and man's systems and man's versions of religion, man's governments, everything that is man falls short of God. The number seven represents God. Perfection, complete, wholeness. 666, remind us, falls short of God. And so people are going to get wrapped up and deceived and allow them their lives to be wrapped up in all that is mankind, humanity, rather than God. Those who get wrapped up in that, the religious system, the governmental system, whatever systems are out there, they fall short. So at this three-and-a-half-year mark into the tribulation period, people will have a decision once that Antichrist goes into that temple, and they will be required to worship the, the image, the beast. And they will have a choice. Worship the, the false trinity or the real trinity. Joshua once exhorted the people to make a choice. Because you and I have a choice today. Are we going to choose God? Are we going to choose Jesus Christ? Joshua said it this way, 
Will you worship the same idols your ancestors did? Or since you're living on land that once belonged to the Amorites, maybe you'll worship their gods. Joshua said, I won't. My family and I are going to worship and obey the Lord. Or for some of you, the translation you might know better, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I'm asking you, who will you choose? Choose The system of man? The system of man's version of religion? Or will you choose God through his son, Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to God but through me. Jesus is calling out to every single one of us, do not be deceived. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And that relationship can happen through his son, Jesus Christ. Everything else is deception. Who will you choose this day? Who you will love, who you will serve, and who you will obey. Let's pray about it. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.